Perhaps the most memorable encounter I've had with anyone. Know your metrics, because one of the biggest yeah. problems with this is it's a lot more than just sending out a box every month. Obviously, you like you need to provide world-class service, but there's metrics underneath that that have to make sense. Otherwise, it doesn't make a difference how many people you get signed up. You'll just keep burning money. Welcome to the Own Your Commerce podcast, where leading experts, brands, and innovators reveal strategies for e-commerce growth. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and this show is brought to you by Bold Commerce. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Commerce. Today, I have with me Liam Brennan, who is calling in from the other side of the world. <laughs> He's one of the co-founders of BusterBox, and uh, BusterBox is a very successful dog subscription business, which we're definitely going to get into. They send out themed boxes. Oh, you know what? I'll, I'll get into it in a ton of detail. But he's also, I guess, the founder and he built up a, a subscription experts program where he helps educate people on building successful subscription businesses. So not only is he a subscription box business owner, he is also teaching people how to build successful subscription businesses, which is why I wanted to have him on the show because I know a ton of people in our audience run subscription businesses and he's got a lot to say on the topic. So Liam, without further ado, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Jay. Absolutely delighted to appear on this podcast. I've listened to it for a while and there's always great information shared. So thanks again. Oh, well, I'm honored and thank you. Where are you calling in from? Let everyone know here. I am calling in from Dublin, Ireland. All right. So our it's going up to outer space through some satellites back over technology is amazing. Give us a bit of background. Who are you and how did you end up in this world of subscriptions? Yeah, no problem. So back in 2015, I basically tried to set up a couple of different businesses. One of them was a job marketplace uh, business, really, really difficult um, business model to make sense because you have to acquire customers from both sides. You have to acquire people to do the jobs and you have to acquire people looking for jobs and you have to look, you get a very small margin um, from that. So very, very difficult. So I abandoned that. And then I was selling men's formal wear online, but not as mm. a subscription, just as a straight sale. Again, very, very difficult for me at the time to make the finances of that work. And that was back in the early days where I never really had much experience with e-commerce or selling things online. So I knew nothing about upsells or cross-sells or downsells or anything to increase the cart value. We were selling things, people were coming over, and we were looking to make profit off the first transaction. We never really had much of a mm -hmm. back end. Never worked. Mm -hmm. So we came across, it was actually Birchbox we came across at the time. And obviously, the hype around the subscription box industry back then was through the roof. You had Birchbox, you had Dollar Shave Club, and, and a number of other companies. And me and my friend, he lives a couple of doors down from me, we're like, why don't we try that? Because it will eliminate the problem of trying to make profit on the first transaction. So we thought mm. it was a great idea. And we we're like, what are we going to do? We obviously can't do makeup because we're two men. It would be a bit weird if the two of us were selling a, a makeup subscription. So we <laughs> settled on either a dog subscription box or a gym subscription box. I don't really go 
to the gym. Well, he didn't back then. So again, that wouldn't have been a great idea. So we decided to go with a dog subscription box because both of us own dogs and we actually had some interest in that. Done a bit of research and I obviously came across BarkBox. Never heard of them before. It was like, oh, somebody else is actually doing this in the US. Looked, could see that they weren't doing it outside the US could see that the concept was relatively new in Ireland and the UK. And we said, yeah, let's give it a go. And here we are six or seven years later, and we're still at it. Crazy. There's a bunch of things in there that I find super interesting. First and foremost, I mean, you picked a business model and then found the product to fit into the model. So it was more about being a subscription business than, you know, you're a crazy, passionate dog guy and you wanted to start a dog store. Like a lot of times that's what, you know, someone likes mountain climbing. So they start a mountain climbing store or they like something, but you went by business model and then found the niche and fit it in. I think that's actually really smart. Yeah, that's what we did because I had wasted so much time with that job marketplace. I had wasted nearly two years on that and just never made any financial sense. You would have had to raise a massive amount of money and burned a lot of money for a long time to build up the database and to try and get it to work. So I wanted something where you could bootstrap it, get it up and running and start generating revenue immediately that actually made mm-hmm. sense financially. You could actually build a sustainable business without a ton of outside investment. I love that. And I love another thing you said that you wanted to find a business model where you didn't have to make money on the first sale. That's an interesting nugget where, like I often say, when you run a subscription business, your first month, like if you think of customer acquisition costs, you spend money to acquire customers. You can give Facebook $40 or Instagram $40, or you could give your first customer $40 in the form of like you're not making profit the first month. And if you have some type of a, a mechanism where it's either discounted or trial or something where that is your customer acquisition cost. But I don't think everyone thinks of it that way. I thought that no. was really smart to you mentioned that. Yeah, that's like obviously one of the big benefits of this business model. If you know you've got a high lifetime value and you're keeping people on average for a good number of months, you can have a payback period of a few months and it can still make a lot of sense financially and still be very profitable. So are you full subscription now or do you have any one-time business? So the majority of our energy goes into building subscription business because obviously it's repeatable cash flow and we know we have a good lifetime value. We know we keep people signed up for a long time. So that's what we're pushing a lot of the time. But we do have a standalone e-commerce store on the back end and we send existing customers over there and people on our list to buy one-time products, which increases the lifetime value further. But we never run ads for our standalone e-commerce shop. It's just something we have mm. on the back end. Yeah, just for if people want to spend. And well, actually, do you track? Is there a percentage of people that they buy one time to almost try and then convert to subscription? Or do you find subscribers who are subscribed want to supplement their subscription by buying something one time? We find the majority of people will buy something from our shop at some point. If they've been signed up to us for a number of months, they become big fans of the product and they're delighted at getting a box of stuff for their dog, especially around Christmas time. On the run up to Christmas, we sell a lot of one-time products in that shop. And what we actually do is we create like 
gift hampers or gift baskets mm, with mm-hmm. many different products in it. It could be like the best products that we had for the previous year that went in the boxes. We'll make these gigantic gift baskets and a lot of people will buy them and they will yeah. they'll sell for like a few hundred dollars. Yeah, I know a strategy that a number of subscription brands use that's that is fairly successful. I mean, maybe you do this too, but if you have a different product or box or whatever shipping out every month, always having an option to buy that as a one-time product as well to send as a gift because sometimes you get a box and you you like it and you want to oh my my mom has a dog and she would love this exact box and so they put links in the order confirmation e- or the shipping emails like if you love it and you want to buy it for the next 30 days you'll be able to order this as a one-time like if a gift to give to someone you love to have you experimented with that or do you do that or we actually haven't done that strategy but that's very very clever and that's something we can try well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Don't think I'd be giving you. A, <laughs> that's right. Go both <laughs> ways. So you started this subscription business. You also have this kind of what is it called? Subscription box experts, which is an online academy. Tell me about that and how how that evolved and what exactly it is. And then I want to dive into some of the things you talk about in it. But first, what is it about? So back in late two thousand and nineteen, people were approaching me because. I've been writing like articles about subscription box tactics, strategies on how to grow, reduce churn, increase lifetime value, all that type of stuff. I set up a blog because I'm thinking about this stuff 24-7. You're probably the exact same. So like it will help me to get this information out of my head and just write it down. And people started reaching out to me and asking, did I offer consulting, one-on-one consulting? So we started doing that and very, very quickly that turned into nearly a full-time gig and it just wasn't possible for me to help all these different people because I was trying to run my own business as well. So COVID hit and I knew I'd be working at home for the foreseeable future. So I decided to basically build a program. Could I build a program? Because the clients I was helping one-on-one were getting really, really good results. So it's like I could document the whole program, exactly how to scale a subscription box business, and I could turn it into a completely separate business. That was back in 2020, and that's been quite successful. I've had a good few hundred people go through that program, and wow. they've majority of people. Three hundred? A good few hundred people, just under three hundred. Yeah, 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 amazing. What is the like the mechanics of it? It's online? Is it one-on-one? Is it videos? Or what does the learning process look like? So it's a self-paced video course that you can do in your own time. It covers everything from website optimization to setting up subscription box offers, running Facebook ads, reducing churn, everything you really need to know to scale a subscription box business. Mm. You also get access to a private Facebook group where everybody's really serious about growing their business and they help each other out and I answer questions in there. And you also get access to six group calls where you can ask anything you want about your website, about your ads, about your offer, about your business model, anything, and you will get some help. I think there's a lot of value in that community too that I'm in and I can speak to your group. It's fantastic. And people are very, you're not lying. They are very willing to help. Like when people, and it seems like, I don't know. There's something about the subscription industry right now. Maybe this won't last forever. I don't know. But like subscription businesses, I find there's a bit of a rally and they want to help other subscription businesses. And you don't see that 
in like general e-commerce. Maybe you did in the early days of e-commerce, like in the early 2000s, like people who were doing e-commerce would band together and support each other. But now that everyone does it, but there is that sense around subscription right now. And because of that, people I find, regardless of even if you have competing products, people are very, I would assume, do you, like you see that same kind of uh, vibe in your community? Well, I see it in your communities. Do you think that'll last or do you think we're on a... I would hope that it would last. Like even for me in subscription box experts, there's a number of people who joined that with a dog subscription box business. Very, very similar <laughs> business model to me. Um, but we're yeah. in different countries. We're not in the same market. And we have a few dog subscription boxes in there. And it's great. Everybody helps each other out. I learn something yeah. that works. Somebody else will learn something that works. And the way I look at it is it's not a zero, like a one winner takes all thing. Zero in the majority. Yeah. There's plenty yeah. of room for many different companies to succeed in many different niches. Yeah, I agree. So in that group and in your course, I want to try to maybe pull out some themes. What would you say are some of the biggest struggles that subscription brands face? Like reasons why they join the course or maybe some common themes of questions you see in the Facebook community. What are some of the biggest struggles subscription brands have? So I personally believe, right, the biggest struggle that the majority of subscription box brands have is acquiring customers. Because let's face it, right, there's not really big barriers of entry to set up a lot of these businesses, right? Like for the vast majority, you can source the products, you can get a website created, you can deliver a really, really good experience to your customer. But a big, big problem is acquiring customers. And that's the main challenge people face. Like the way I look at it is, right, five people you could go into any subscription box Facebook group, right? And you'll find a number of people in the exact same niche. Some people will have thousands of people signed up. Other people will have a few hundred people signed up. And some other people will have barely anyone signed up and they'll really, really be struggling. And I think the real success with subscription boxes is it's in the execution. The idea doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's how well you execute that and how well you develop your skills at acquiring customers. And that's the main reason people join the Subscription Box Experts program. They want to develop their marketing ability and understand how to actually position their brand in a way that they can come up with a really good and attractive offer and get subscribers signed up at a very good rate. Yeah, it's interesting. Like Technology has gotten so good that it's so easy to build a website, you can get a payment gateway and within seconds to accept credit cards and your website can look good. You know, 10 years ago, if you had a good looking site, you would win. But now, like, you know, anyone can pick a template and look good. Now it's about actually acquiring and having that brand. What is different about acquiring subscription customers versus one-time customers? I know one-time businesses also struggle with the same thing, but for subscription brands, what unique challenges do they face acquiring customers? So a different kind of relationship with your customer if you have a subscription company with a one-part like straight e-commerce shop. People may come over and in their head, they're like, I just need to buy this item. I need it and I'll never deal with this company again. Or I may deal with them again in the future if I need a different product they stock. But with a subscription company, they're coming over and they're trusting you 
that you're going to deliver a unbelievable experience for them every single month. They're committing to six or 12 months. 95% of our subscribers in Box commit for six or 12 months. So they're placing a lot of trust in us that we are going to give them a world-class service. And that's the main difference. So the website needs to be absolutely perfect. You need lots of social proof. You need your pricing right. You need a what's inside page so people can see examples of what previous boxes Mm. look like. Otherwise, they're not going to commit to six or 12 months. They need a clear how it works section so they can see when you're going to ship the box, when you're going to charge them. And you need a really, really appealing offer to get somebody to take out their credit card and put that trust in you, especially if they're coming to your website from an ad and never heard of you before the ad. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at your site right now. I see you give a free camera, like a webcam, yep. on the first box sign-up. Like that's, I mean, yeah, you're for sure losing. So do you have a preset length, like six months, 12 months, or can someone do an ongoing forever subscription? Or are they- yeah. yeah, so we offer the three subscription terms. You can go for a rolling one month, you can go for a six month, or you can go for a 12 month. But obviously the 12 month and the six month are cheaper to incentivize people to go for them and commit for a longer term. And they pay up front? No, they pay monthly. Oh, but they just commit. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of brands are experimenting with the monthly, monthly it's $20 a month or pay for a year and get two months free kind of thing. Yep. So what we found with that is, right, and it may just be our niche and it may be price sensitivity, but if we're getting people to pay up front for the six or the 12 month plans, right, People will come over and it's harder to get them to do that. The barriers of entry are way higher. We found Mm -hmm. we usually had to discount the six or the 12 month prepaid quite heavily to get volume on that and to get a acceptable CPA. And then what was happening was after the six months or after the 12 months, they were being notified, you're going to renew for whatever, 300 or 400 euro. And they'd be like, oh no, I'm not paying that again. Whereas if they're just being charged monthly, it's a lot easier for people to basically commit and keep paying for a long time. Interesting. We were talking before this and you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting that I wanted to make sure we chatted about on the show. You were were saying like, and this falls under the topic of acquisition, you're right now getting some of the best or the lowest click rates or click costs on your ads. It's a really interesting time right now with paid acquisition. Tell me about what you're seeing and some of the strategies you're doing and what's working there. Yep. So obviously, we all know at this point, and um, we're probably heading into a recession and the economy's taken a bit of a hit. So what we've noticed is CPMs across ad platforms have dropped massively. They're lower mm. than they've been in a very, very long time. Obviously, during the pandemic, we got really, really low CPMs because some brands pulled back. People were at home on their computers all day. So more eyeballs, more ad inventory, and the CPMs dropped. But then it got really, really expensive because everybody wanted to set up their own business, whether a subscription box or an e-commerce business or whatever, and to try and generate some revenue from home. So it got really, really expensive. But over the last few months, that has changed. And my guess around that is brands have started to pull back their spending to prepare Mm -hmm. for 
the eventual recession. They want to cut, like if they're burning a lot of capital, they want to get to their break-even point. They want to just basically maintain a break-even point or make sure that they're actually profitable. So yeah, a lot of companies have pulled back and that has worked in our favor because ad prices are very cheap and we're signing up really, really high volume of customers for a really good CPA. That's so, it's fascinating. Like I know, you know, they're saying that the greatest wealth is created during recessions and it's hard to sometimes think optimistically when times are hard, but the last thing you should pull should be your, your marketing budget when things are hard, because you're exactly right that people are pulling back their spend right now in the investment activity, like the number of, we had like a record number of companies going public two years ago. And now this last 12 months has been the lowest yeah. in history well, on the NASDAQ. Anyway, I was just reading an article. It's also been very low investment activity. So investors are becoming very, you know, they're not giving all in the software world 30 times valuations. It's very, very much lower. So companies are looking to tighten their belts everywhere they can. And ad spend seems like something that's easy to cut, but it's not always the smartest one to cut because of exactly what oh. you said. Now, I yeah. agree with you. you. Like You have to be acquiring customers. If you just turn everything off, you'll go out of business eventually. Very, very difficult to do it, especially if the economy is getting tough. But you need to try and make it work. You need to have an acceptable number of customers coming through every month to keep your business running. Because a business without customers, unfortunately, isn't a business. It go bust, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, what about on the other side? So we talked about about acquisition, and I know we could spend hours on that, and you've re- you've got courses on it. But on the retention side, so once now you've got a customer, they have clicked subscribe. What are some of the things that you can highlight that brands can do well to increase retention, reduce churn? The same thing on that side of the the table. What are some advice you can give? So what we found is, number one, you want to onboard them properly when they come in. Like you've done the hard part to acquire them. The last thing you want to do now is do nothing with them and let them churn out. So you want to onboard them properly, have a nice welcome email. And what we do is we run a competition every month where somebody, where we give out a number of free boxes and we Mention that on the welcome email. We say, look, when you get your first box, share a picture of your dog with the box and use this hashtag, BusterBox, on Instagram, and you could be in with a chance of winning a free month. Then we get the people who are man- their employee who manages our Instagram account to literally write back to every single person who posts that video. We get thousands mm. of people posting them every month. That lets people know that we actually care, that we value them, we show genuine interest about their dog. And we're very lucky too that we're in the dog niche because people absolutely love talking about their dog. So we get (laughs) a lot of support tickets every month. And it may not even be about the box. It's just people wanting to talk about their dog. So we've a very good support team. and We employ a good amount of people in our support as support staff, and they'll just engage with all of our customers. We have one of our staff members, she sends out cards to people. Like if, if they get, in, say if somebody gets in touch and they say they've been a long-term customer and they say they're going through a tough time financially or something, or 
someone's sick or someone passed away and could they pause the subscription for a few months? We'll do that, mm-hmm. no problem. She'll send out a card to them from the company if the dog passes away, which is really, really sad, terrible thing to happen. We'll send out a card a lot of the time to basically wish the owner well and to give our condolences. Just things like that. Like, Don't be a faceless company. Engage with your customers and let them know that you actually care. Yeah, there's. uh, I find you woo and you spend your money and you do everything to acquire customers. And then most people think once they got that customer to you know click buy or click subscribe they won that's it the game's over really you know one of the things i often tell brands is that once someone clicks subscribe you don't have a subscriber you have a lead and you need to still turn them into a subscriber at that point they're still evaluating your business your product they're still in the mindset of it's not like they're fully committed they're still okay i'll try it i'll try a subscription i'll see And then your job is to turn them into an actual member and then an advocate who shares and promotes your brand. But we got to stop thinking of customers as subscribers day one. They're really not. They're still in the evaluation process. Yeah. Until they've made two or three payments, there's a high likelihood that they will churn if even one bad thing happens to the one thing, missing box, they're not happy with a product, they don't get a reply to a customer service ticket. Anything can drive them over the edge. You're 100% right. And I'll say this too, like by the same token, while they are evaluating and they're still, they're not like fully a customer yet, it's also the highest point of excitement. When someone clicks to subscribe for, let's say, Buster Box, and I click to subscribe, that's the point at which I'm the most excited. And yet most brands, you know, we're talking about onboarding, most brands, they just send the standard default order confirmation email. And that's it. At that point, I'm interested. I've researched. I've convinced myself to buy it. That's the best time to send like the series of emails with videos, a message from the founder explaining how you source your products. And they're all like good for the environment. And they're sourced from ethical companies and what dog charities a portion of your revenue goes to. And like that's the time to educate them, not months down the road. Like you have... From the moment they click order to the moment they get their first box, there's that anticipation in that window that you'll never have again. And that only happens in that initial time. And they've actually done studies on like brainwave activity when people click purchase on a website. That's the peak point of stimulation and euphoria. And then it just goes down from there. It never gets higher with that brand. So I agree 100%. And it's also a good time to sell additional upsells during that period too, if somebody comes true and they're much more receptive to actually go for something else. Absolutely. And I don't know the exact number, but there's always a segment of your customers and it's probably around 20% that will spend more if they have the opportunity. They're your super customers. But yeah, we kind of treat all customers the same. You know, we've got, this is my subscription. This is my product. This is what I sell. Everybody gets it. But, you know, I I use the example, I, I bought a mountain bike recently and and I'm the type of person that I want to get like all in on it. I want to get like new upgraded pedals. I want to get different grips. I want to change. I want to get upgraded brakes. But if they don't have that, I'm not going to spend it. Like they need to have a, a way for the most engaged customers to spend more and they always will. So yeah, anything else on the like long-term retention? So once you get past the onboarding phase, is there anything you recommend? Like let's say you're now in month six. Do you do any like bonuses or do you like 12 month freeze or like, is there anything like once they actually are a customer, you've onboarded them. People still 
churn and they still get subscription fatigue like six months or a year later, is there anything like down the road you suggest to help retention? Yeah, so there's a few things we do. We do offer free gifts. So we make it clear when somebody signs up, hey, if you stay subscribed for three months, you'll get a free bag of treats. If you stay subscribed for six months, you'll get free toy. And if you stay subscribed for 12 months, you'll get a free box. We do that. We also, what we have found can work well is if somebody has been signed up for a number of months, then give them the opportunity to pay up front. Say somebody mm. signed up for three months or something, you should have a automation set up to basically incentivize them then to commit for a longer amount of time up front. That mm. tends to work really well. And then when you're looking to renew them again, like when, say if they commit for six months up front, but before they're due to be billed, move them back onto a monthly payment and give them a, send them an email to say you've gone back onto a monthly payment because this is what you signed up to originally. If you want to pay up front again, just click here and you can do it. That can work well. Also, just incentivizing people to subscribe for six or 12 months at the very start when people come through. Like if you're doing any offers or anything, push people to the six or 12 month plans to get the offers. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because that's they are probably on the fence at that point where should I continue, should I not? And if there's an appealing enough offer to kick them into that next section of that subscription. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, like that everyone at every point, it might be nothing wrong with your subscription. It might be that, you know, maybe someone gave a gift. Like maybe I got someone a bunch of dog toys for Christmas and they've got just too many now and they they think they want to cancel. So, you know, always reminding customers that they have the option to like skip months or pause. I know sometimes I hear people say they don't want to give pause because, oh, then they'll never reactivate it or they don't want to give skip. But we found with the data with our people using both subscriptions is that brands that do that in a, in a proper way actually see higher retention because rather than a customer canceling, if they're away for a couple months, they can pause or skip or manage a subscription and they'll be they'll have a better relationship with the brand and actually stick around. I assume you do something similar. Yeah, we do. If people need to skip, absolutely no problem. They can skip because let's face it, things come up unexpectedly for people. They may go on holidays, they may be short on cash that month, they may have too many dog toys and they need a break. So if you're like you're forcing people to just continue all the time, that will drive up your churn because if they can't skip, they'll just cancel. We have to understand that yeah. our customers are humans and things happen. So give them the opportunity to skip if they ask for it. Yeah. What about some this was actually I was at Sub Summit recently and this came up actually a lot of questions around subscription metrics and what metrics if you have a dashboard or something that you track every month and uh, you want to know the health of your subscription brand. I guess, what are some of the ones you track and what are some of the ones you recommend to people taking your courses? So yeah, I was at Sub Summit as well, by the way. And just to give a shout out to them, that was an unbelievable conference. And uh, your presentation was really, really good. It was really, really helpful. Oh, so, so in with subscription metrics, the main things that you need to be looking at is, well, for us, right, we use Chart Mogul to monitor all of our mm. metrics. Really, really great piece of uh, software. The first thing I do when I log into BusterBox in the morning is I go into that and I check our MRR because I want to see if we're actually growing, if we're going in the right direction. Mm. It gives us a target to aim for. 
But the most important metrics you want to be looking at is number one, your lifetime value, right? Versus your customer acquisition cost. So you want to be aiming to make back at least three times the amount you paid on customer acquisition in gross profit throughout the lifetime of the subscription. So you want Mm. a one to three ratio. Otherwise, if you don't have that, it's more than likely you will run into cash flow problems as you scale up. Obviously, you want to be looking at your churn as well. You want to keep that as low as possible, under 10%, if possible, for a direct-to-consumer subscription brand. And another key metric that we monitor all the time is our payback period. How many months does it take to turn a new subscriber profitable? Because we're testing Mm. different offers all the time on our website. We've so many Mm -hmm. different offers that we've run in and we monitor everything. And you need to keep that as tight as possible. Obviously, we're not expecting to get people into profit on month one. Very unlikely that will happen when you're spending a lot of money on paid advertising and you're doing these crazy offers. But we need to be getting people into profit, to be honest, by month three. Because if you aren't raising a lot of investor capital and you're mainly, we do have investors and we have raised money, but not like millions and millions. So we have to keep on top of it because if the payback period is too long, it doesn't matter if the business is profitable, like from an LTV point of view, you'll have cash flow issues if it's taken like six or seven months to turn a subscriber profitable. I know with a SaaS company, that's completely different because you're going to be keeping them signed up for way longer. And the payback period may take a year to get somebody into profit, but you may keep them for five years. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. Okay, so what was the ratio you look at? You want your your LTV be three times the... the, Your CAC. Your customer acquisition costs. And do you look at CAC holistically as like, are you taking your first month cost of goods or just paid what you're paying Facebook or Instagram? Everything, because a lot of companies don't do that. They're like, oh, it's only like what we're paying on advertising. Not a good way to do it because the cost has to come from somewhere. So if we're losing money on the first box, like say we're giving a unbelievable offer, we're giving a product or something and we're losing money on that, we will include that into the CAC. That's part of our CAC calculation. And then we will be aiming to get them in profit by month three and then to earn a at least three times the amount back over the lifetime of the subscription. And that's not revenue either. That's gross profit, lifetime gross profit. We're looking to earn back three times. Interesting. I noticed, so yeah, you give away a, a dog camera. What do you call those things again? Capo secure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, you said you do a lot of experimenting. Like I wonder when someone's buying a subscription box, that's like $20. If there's a gift that is like, I don't know what the value of that camera is, let's say $50. At some point, there's got to be a rate of diminishing returns. So like if you gave away a $100 gift or 150 it's not going to get any more conversion. It's, you know, 50 is where it moves the needle and then it starts diminishing. Is there any ratio like that first box needs to be three times the value of the cost or two times the value? Have you experimented with any of that and have some yeah. thoughts around it? It's not mainly the value, believe it or not. It's more the free gift that you get if it's a really, really cool and unusual gift that incentivizes people more than something worth a lot of money. We've run offers in the past where it's been literally worth like 200 pounds 
the free gift and it hasn't converted too well because mm. it isn't really something that you to look at and go, well, I need to have that. So it's more about coming up with something really, really cool that people see. And like they obviously they have a dog and they, they want to make their dog happy and they see this free gift with it. And they're like, well, I'd love to have that as part of my first oh, box. And they sign up. I just saw, absolutely. And I just saw something on your site that I love that how you do. So you, you actually let people choose the gift for their first month. Yes. It's the same box though, right? Like everyone's getting the same box, but I can choose, do I want to get the camera? Do I want to get the flexi lead or the the dog bed? But the box is the same, right? No matter which one I, I pick. Yep. The box will be the same and it'll just be a different offer. Like we we spend a, a massive amount of time in here coming up with offers and testing different offers. Takes quite a good bit of resources to do that and to basically keep coming up with different things. But it's worth it because when you come out with, we call it a blockbuster offer, when you have that blockbuster offer, <laughs> it completely yeah. changes the game for you. And your CPA yeah. drops and you start getting a lot of volume. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the gift. And I think that it doesn't devalue your subscription as well too. Like I've seen brands experiment the same. One of the questions we get a lot is, what's a good discount for the first month to get people to convert? Should I give them like 50% off the first month or 25% off? I actually think that you're getting the wrong type of customer sometimes when you do that. You're getting customers who are, they're more price sensitive. So they're more likely to churn versus someone who's willing to pay that same price. Like if your subscription is $39 a month, don't train them that like the first month is going to be $10, then the next one 30 and then it goes up, they're going to churn. Get them used to paying the full price. but add in a gift. I've seen studies on this too, where they say that there's different psychological effects on getting a gift versus a discount. Like discounts are expected and it's not as... You don't feel as much of a connection with a brand. It's just like, okay, I got my 10% discount. But a gift is like, it's different. I agree 100%. Like discounting can work. Like we've done it in the past before. It's a very, very easy offer to do. And you don't need to produce new assets. You don't need pictures, Facebook ads, videos, emails. It's just pretty much you whack on the discount, whatever, 50% off. It can work. You can get a lot of volume. It can still be profitable. But the problem is exactly what you said. A percentage of the people who sign up are the wrong type of customer. And those people will churn and it will decrease your lifetime value. And those are also the type of customers who will cause you problems. They expect everything to cause trouble for your support staff. They give you negative reviews over literally nothing. So yeah. yeah, you have to be careful with the discounting. Even though it can work, the free gift option, in my experience, you get much higher quality customers. Yeah, I agree. What are some brands you admire that you look up to in the subscription space? In the subscription space, there's a company in the UK We actually did a partnership with them recently. Really, really great company, Craft Gin Club. So every month you try different kinds of gin. Really great company, really, really good product. And it's really nice to be signed up and to have different kinds of gin being sent to you every Mm -hmm. month. Another company, Beer 52, again in the UK, Craft Beer Subscription. They send out different kinds of craft beer. And yeah, really, really nice experience to have that sent out to you every month. Do you join a lot of subscriptions just to see their their flows and their onboarding and 
packaging and how they run it? Yeah, we do it all the time in Box. We're consistently <laughs> signing up for different subscriptions all around the world. We have a, because obviously we're in Ireland, so a lot of the boxes don't ship here, but we have a way of, of actually making that happen. And yeah, we're consistently signing up for different subscriptions. Yeah, me too. It's one of my favorite things about the business. I guess those questions to everything. Before we run out of time here, what advice would you give subscription brands? Like any main piece of advice right now or a few? Yeah. So if you're getting involved in this industry, it's a great industry to set up a business in. Like It's a very, very attractive model. You've got the uh, recurring revenue and um, very, very helpful community. Like Jay said, Definitely recommend it, but know your numbers and know your market mm. so, um, before you do it. Don't jump into this and have expectations of like building like a $50 million company if the niche you go in is absolutely tiny and there is not enough people to target to make that happen. You can still have a very successful lifestyle business, but... Yeah, know, know your numbers, do some research, find out what people in that market are spending on similar products anyway each month and make sure there's room for you to charge what you need to charge to have a sustainable business. And then when you do get into it, pay attention to your metrics. Sign up for like Bear Metrics or ProfitWell or Chart Mogul or Sublytics, whatever one, bold, but you probably show it in bold too, do you? All the different metrics. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. And Appeal is another good one. We just actually had them on the podcast recently. But yeah, I agree 100%. Know your metrics because one of the biggest yeah. problems with this is it's a lot more than just sending out a box every month. Obviously, you like you're, need to provide world-class service, but it's a lot more than shopping for a box and sending it out each month. There's metrics underneath that that have to make sense. Otherwise, it doesn't make a difference how many people you get signed up. You'll just keep burning money. If you have a bad LTV and your CAC ratios off and loads of people are churning. So yeah, that's my main advice. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I think growth hides problems. And sometimes I find subscription brands, they're growing, they're, they're acquiring customers and they they think they're doing well. But when you peel back a couple layers, they're actually, they have a very unhealthy subscription business. Maybe yeah. their their churn numbers are actually like they're heading towards, and like, you know, this was part of the sub-summit talk, but they're heading towards that flat line or they're not, their LTV ratio versus their, they're not looking holistically at their customer acquisition costs. But the number of subscribers is going up every month. So they think everything's okay, but underneath it's not. And if you're growing, it hides it. It does. But eventually that stops, right? Eventually it stops. And especially now where the economy is taking a turn and it's getting more difficult to raise money, especially like for unprofitable direct, direct to consumer brands that don't have solid metrics behind them. So you have to make sure what you're building is actually sustainable. And that's, yeah, like you can turn a profit and pay all your bills pretty much. Yeah, so good. Okay, we talked a lot about everywhere you are. Can you, before we end, give everyone, <laughs> where can people find you, your store, so people can check it out, your community, your experts group, where are all the places you'd like to direct people? So if you want to check out Buster Box, you can do that at busterbox.com. If you want to get in touch with me, I recommend joining the Subscription Box Resources Facebook group. That's a completely 
free subscription box group. We have over 7,000 people in there now. Really, really great community. Everybody helps each other Mm -hmm. out. People at different phases of their business. Some people are only starting. Some people have sold millions of dollars worth of subscription boxes. So definitely recommend that. If you're interested in my subscription box experts program, head over to subscriptionboxexperts.com and you'll be able to join the waitlist and find out a bit more information about it. I'm actually, I'm also in the middle of, well, it's finished now. It's gone to the publisher of writing a book. Oh my goodness. Yeah, subscription box book. It's actually finished now. Really, really grueling process to put together a book. I'm delighted I did it. (laughs) Um, That will be coming out soon, hopefully before the end of the year or early next year. Wow. Very late. Well, I want to make sure to get a, I don't know how you do it all. You, you're running a subscription business, teaching people how to run subscriptions, business, running a community, writing a book. It's tough. You're bro. amazing. You're a subscription hero. <laughs> <laughs> when it's finished, I'll send you a copy. No problem. That uh, would be amazing. Well, Liam, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Uh, I really enjoyed that. That's it for another episode of Own Your Commerce. If what you've heard has helped you in any way, I'd love it if you'd leave us a review in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a new podcast and reviews really help spread the word. And if you know someone you think that might benefit from this podcast, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about Bold, visit boldcommerce.com. You can view all our past episodes. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. You can apply to be a guest or suggest a guest on our website as well. That's all for now. And we'll see you next week. 